is K-12 Tech Talk. K-12 Tech Talk. The podcast by K-12 Techs for K-12 Techs. Real conversations, real arguments, and real banter on trending K-12 technology topics and issues. Live from the somethingcool.com studios, this is the K-12 Tech Talk podcast. This is going to be a little bit of a special episode because we have a couple of interviews that we've recorded that we're, you're going to hear tonight. Uh, but first, Chris is with me here. Uh, What's up? I guess it's really no secret. We're in New Hampshire right yep. now. Yep. Um, yep. We're at the New Hampshire CTO Clinic, and we've had to pre-record some interviews to get an episode out this week to everyone. Um, but first, let's talk about our sponsors that are with us every week. We have NTP, uh, they awesome EDR solutions. Get a hold of David Wren. Over at NTP, I think. Let me let me see if I remember this email. D W R E N at NTP Inc. Inc. dot com. Yep. Uh, they want to thank. Ex- oh, go ahead. Go they ahead. do go a ahead. bunch of stuff, but uh, they're one of their big things they've got right now is uh, EDR solution from Sentinel One with a twenty four seven monitored sock. Go ahead. We want to thank Extreme Networks as we always do. You can email Dominic Mayer D Mayer at Extreme dot com if you're looking for switches for wireless for whatever. Uh, check out Extreme Networks, and then Fortinet, a proud sponsor of the K-12 Tech Talk podcast. Uh, reach out uh, to them as well. And we have a special, so so let's unpack the special interviews. We got to yes. sit down with uh, Absolute, Yep. several of the guys from Absolute, because we've been unpacking them over the last several episodes, but we've been doing an okay job. Yeah. So we had the experts come on to unpack them. About what they really do. Yes. So the best way to explain it is LoJack for laptops, right? So they, um, if you've got a... They'll, they'll monitor several devices, but if you've got a, a Windows laptop, they've got a client that gets installed and goes straight into the BIOS. You can't remove it, um, kind of like an MDM-type solution. Uh, so they'll they'll explain that in their interview and, and kind of their company history. They used to be uh, a different name, CompuTrace. I just remembered that. Uh, and I used to use CompuTrace, shoot, man, 15 years ago at a different company I, I worked for. So it was kind of cool uh, putting those, connecting those dots together and yeah. seeing their their history as a company. Uh, the other interview that we're going to have during this episode is a really cool interview yes. with, was it? Andrew it and there, George. Yeah, Andrew wasn't the tech director there, but he was like, a, I guess he was one of the instructors yep. for this program. So tell us what that's about. Yeah, so we got to meet Andrew and George, uh, in, in particular Andrew. I, I, Eric, the intern, hung out uh, when we were at the COSIN conference uh, to learn about this is a high school that has a great cybersecurity program. So Josh and I, we talk about our... Our, our student techs that fix Chromebook screens, fix Chromebook parts. Uh, this school took that way next level, uh, and they're into cybersecurity. Yeah, they have like a, a, I got the vibe, almost an entire high school. They said they had 250 kids in the program, which is astonishing to me. Um, but what they do is they focus in these different tracks in cybersecurity, and if the kids want to, they end up coming out with certificates in different programs like Network Plus, A Plus. George was going for he just passed Security Plus yes. this week. Yes, um, shout out to George. You're gonna you're gonna hear from him, but yeah, George, you're gonna listen to this. Congratulations on that. That's a big deal. And I think you're gonna be blown away with some of the stuff that George says he's doing. He's he's more or less working as a cyber guy for a company near their school and doing some red team stuff, doing some training. It's funny because he was talking about how his dad is in IT and they were on a road trip as a family, like a family vacation or something. And his dad's on a conference call. George is on a conference call. And they're, they're, George is a senior in high school. And he's on a conference call with an a, a international company about a cyber IT problem. 
So like this kid's in high school and he's he's doing that because of the cyber program that the Lakota schools in Ohio has. So it was, it was a pretty impressive interview. And I think uh, Georgia's going places. Like yeah. these kids coming out of this high school, they've they've got a foundation and they are super, super marketable Yeah, kids. listen to that because that's a, I think that challenge us with yeah, our, we absolutely. think we have kick butt and, and we do have kick butt kids uh, in, in our uh, student tech programs. Uh, but there's some other stuff that we could do with our high school kids for sure. Yeah, absolutely. We're looking at adding ad, a, a plus to our program. So uh, give it a listen and uh, we'll be back regularly scheduled, I guess, in two weeks. Because next week you're going to hear some interviews that we've done here at New Hampshire. And uh, that'll be next week's episode. So we appreciate you listening. Uh, stay tuned. Thanks. All right. So we've drug in Eric the intern again. What's up, Eric? Wow. And you brought some friends along with you that you also drug in from somewhere. I don't know how you convinced these guys to hang out with us for a few minutes, but you pulled it off. Yeah. This is uh, Coasting Keeps on Giving. I just kept drink, dragging people in, and we keep dragging them in now. <laughs> so who we got today? All right. We've got Andrew and George, uh, and they're going to talk to us a little bit about the cybersecurity program they have going for students and their school. And I'll let you guys introduce yourselves. Um, where are you from? What are your names? What do you like to do? Yeah, so uh, my name is George I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, I mean, I, you know, it's easy to say my passion is in cybersecurity, but um, I'm a passion outside. I, I like baseball a lot, um, played sports all my life, but uh, definitely had a, a huge interest in computers um, from an early age, to be honest. So, yeah, just computers and baseball, really. What grade? Uh, senior in high school, and I'm going to be going to University of Cincinnati for uh, cybersecurity next year. In what high school? Awesome. Uh, Lakota East High School. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my name is Andrew. I'm the director of secondary curriculum here at Lakota Schools. And so I oversee all of our programming grades 7 through 12. Um, and I've similar, I've had an interest in technology my whole life, but actually was a social studies teacher for a number of years before getting into the curriculum world and have just had the pleasure of working with Lakota Schools to help build a cyber program. We're about our fourth year of the cyber program, about 240 students. And um, you know, George is a, a really great example of the the students that we have in our school district. So just excited to talk to you guys about that. So, so you Andrew, have you have 240 kids in your in your cyber program? Yeah. Holy yeah. cow. That's two high school. We have we're a two high school district. Um, and our cyber program essentially spans grades 10 through 12 and cyber one, cyber two, cyber three. And we have 240 students in the program. So it's amazing. Define that program. Define what that is. Sure, I'll give a kind of high level and then I'll let George kind of fill in with what that's like from a, a student experience. Um, we we started out with uh, industry partners who are like, hey, you guys should really build a cyber program. And we're like, okay, let's do it. And from the very beginning, we, we had a cyber advisory board uh, because we knew we needed the industry support guidance to, to spin this up and to do it the right way. Uh, you know, in education, and we kind of have a specific approach and business can sometimes have a different approach. And we thought it was best to put our minds together to do it. So one of the advice that they gave at the very beginning is they said, try to keep these courses um, with kind of uh, vague names because the industry changes a lot. So instead of having, you know, like 15 different discrete courses, you know, just do the three courses, align them with industry certifications and what um, standards and stuff are out there. And then we'll provide, you know, the industry partners said they provide a lot of support and, and that's essentially what we did. So cyber one is sophomores, generally speaking, cyber two is, um, you know, juniors, then cyber three is a capstone course, mostly for seniors. 
Um, for the most part, the curriculum is generally um, aligned to Security Plus with a bunch of offshoots and areas for students to explore some of their own interests and things like that. Um, George, anything from your kind of perspective? Yeah, so for like Cyber One, really, I mean, cybersecurity is kind of a really hard thing to grasp. So it's almost Cyber One's like a basics, right, of, you know, you know, running a Calyx machine and doing all sorts of stuff like that, of learning the basics. And then Cyber Two, you're really jumping into, um, you know, Security Plus and studying for that. Um, and like you said, the Capstone Project. So for my Capstone Project, right, I'm, I got a Certified Ethical Hacker Pro certification. And then I am taking Security Plus. I've already taken it once. I uh, got close to it. Um, I'm taking it this weekend. So it's really just do your own learning. And and however much you put in, you get out. So it's it's been a program that's really fit around me, too. So, so yeah. from a curriculum standpoint, you know, you've got Cyber 1, 2, and 3. They're also taking their core classes, right? Like mm -hmm. English, math. So are, are you guys, uh, from a curricular standpoint, are you adjusting what math class classes they take or any any other adjustments like that? Not really. Um, you know, our, our students span quite, um, you know, a wide range. And one of the things that we tried to have done in the program, and I don't think I have to tell you or the listeners this, but I'll say it anyway, is that, you know, cyber is almost as broad as tech. And, and you can maybe even argue it's broader because you could get into uh, policy and, you know, geopolitics in the world of cyber. Um, so we don't have any sort of other courses that are mapped to it or expectations. And, you know, we, we want to be able to provide students who are really not tech focused, but maybe are into social studies and are maybe want to go into some sort of government work or public administration or political science work to also learn enough about cybersecurity that that would be, uh, you know, a value add to them also. And I mean, for me too, it's like, I had a lot of interest in social studies, um, but I took a lot of computer classes and I didn't like coding, but I mean, I like the fundamentals of building a computer, but I don't like coding as much as, you know, some of the stuff that cybersecurity gives me. So that was one thing that really attracted me my sophomore year was saying like, you know, I can sign up for this class, this computer class, I don't have to do any coding, but I'll learn the basics and the ins and outs of computer, yeah. which was huge. I actually think we have a lot of students who are oh, in, yeah. into tech, but don't like coding or yeah. learn they didn't like coding. Mm -hmm. it's, that's kind of been an interesting one for us. So these are all credited classes, right? Like, like you're getting a grade, not a pass fail. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, the one thing I'd say too, is, is it's, we get college credit for some of the classes, like for our soft, the cyber two class is a CCP class at a local community college. Awesome. So I'll have that course off taken off of my college. And then the class we took cyber uh, class, I took cyber three for Cyber ethical hacker pro. Um, I get that also off my college. So you get college credit yeah. too. And so then, yeah. Those are taught by our teacher. Our teacher got dual credit adjunct status and then teaches the course in-house to our kids. Kids get dual credit. Now, that's a that's something that blew me away, Andrew, when you were talking about that at Gosen. Because um, I think that's one of the struggles that a lot of our schools have. And it was one of the first questions I had when I walked mm -hmm. into your session. Where the heck am I going to find people to teach this? So who did you find to teach your classes and how yeah. did you? <laughs> um, well, our opinion was that I'll take one step back. Uh, cybersecurity doesn't have the most typical educational pathway for the people who are practitioners in it, right? Um, only recently did colleges even have programs like only the past four or five years. There really aren't many, um, you know, high school programs. So there are definitely some around the country. So a lot of people who are in the cybersecurity took alternative paths. Uh, so we also knew that, you know, we weren't going to be able to pay cybersecurity wages. 
So what we did is that we looked for teachers who were great teachers and kid magnets um, and were ultimately the number one criteria was like, are you willing to learn? And do you feel like you need to be the expert in the classroom? And so we looked for teachers that were doing that. So our two teachers, one was a math teacher by trade and the other was the English teacher by trade. And we trained them up. And part of that is the support that we get from our cyber industry partners and, um, you know, send them to various trainings. So we get support from our college partners, industry partners, that we got them up to speed from the cybersecurity side. But from a student standpoint, like, I mean, talk about your your teachers and, oh, and yeah. what, the, what they bring. I, I mean, it's like the two teachers that we have are really special. And I think that, I think like, Andrew said, like with the kid maggot, they can really, they can really talk to us, right? They can explain it. And I think cybersecurity is something that almost everyone around the world is almost learning right now, right? So it, it's a growing industry and stuff like that. So um, from a teacher aspect, it's great. I think that, you know, they're learning with us and they're not, you know, they're not afraid to say that, right? They're not to be out, you know, they're not afraid to say, you guys might know more than me because some kids in our class do because some kids love just, you know, go home and, you know, tinker with a Cali machine, right? And they might know more commands than Mr. Dordery does, but that doesn't mean that, you know, he's not the teacher, right? So it's really special from that uh, aspect of it. So do you, would you say you view the teachers as kind of like a guide really leading them through the curriculum? Yeah, I think guide would be perfect. That, um, I mean, like, that's exactly what they are to us. Yeah. Would you unpack, so you talked about working with partners and in, in industry partners, uh, unpack if, if I'm thinking about doing this at my school, so I know I, I need to find some good teachers that can work with kids well. Uh, how did you go about that initial stuff or what advice would you give to a school that's thinking about getting started? Who do they reach yeah. out to? So some things that we learned along the way is as soon as we put the word out that we were doing this, just people from the community just came out of the woodwork. You know, the number of businesses that reached out to us, parents who worked in cybersecurity and were like, oh, cool, you guys are starting a program. I work in this space. How can I help? Um, there is a sense that the cybersecurity community have been like ignored for a long time. And like, they finally got an opportunity <laughs> yeah. to like shine and they're like, yeah, let, let's go and help out. So we've had tons of folks who uh, do that. So we have people who mentor, we have guest speakers at this point, like every other Friday, every yeah, Friday. And high quality individuals too, high qualified individuals. Um, we have mentor or not mentors, but industry partners who um, we've asked for internships and, and do that. And so for, I would say the advice for the school is like, just publicize it as much as possible. And, and you're gonna find the people in your community who are more than happy to do anything from just share advice to get into a classroom, you know, to mentoring students, you know, on all those different levels. That was not a challenge. I could see that maybe be more of a challenge depending on what part of the country you live. Um, you know, we're in a the Cincinnati metropolitan area. Uh, I could imagine maybe if you're, you know, more rural, it might be a little bit harder to find quite the the com the community to be able to support. But I still think that you'd be able to find folks who are close enough to cybersecurity or in the tech space that can help out kids. And virtual breaks down most of those uh, geographical barriers now that you can bring people in on a Zoom. I mean, or yeah, and honestly, most of our guest speakers are yeah. virtual at this point. It just does mm -hmm. not make sense that people come in. Yeah. So um, are you able to name any uh, of those industry partners? Are you, do you have students doing internships at any, any companies right now? Yeah. So uh, I'm actually intern right now at this company called Stanex Electronics. We're a global manufacturer. I've worked there since last June. So last summer, um, been working there for about a year. 
and I work around 10 hours during the school year and I work, try to put it in 20 hours and, you know, breaks in summer. And they, I had, they had me doing tons of stuff like uh, encryption on their computers and patching on their computers. And uh, I did some side projects like RFIDs using them in the office, mm-hmm. um, even red teaming. So I'm wrapping up a project right cool. now on hacking and stuff like that of, of, and, and even physical, um, uh, you know, physical and social engineering, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it, it was huge. I think the internship too, especially, I'm so grateful for it because I think that being able to learn, yeah, in the classroom is great, but being able to learn soft skills and being able to talk to a boss, right? Or my coworkers who are in a different, you know, engineering people sitting next to me, being able to talk to them, right? That was huge for me is, is being able to learn soft skills and technical experience in that internship outside the classroom. And you're even doing stuff like globally on different yeah. time zones too. Yeah. Like um, meetings. I've, I've had to get out of school for meetings because some people were in Japan and Portugal and I had to, you know, the time didn't work out. So stuff like that. Right. Where it's, awesome. it sounds cooler, you know I mean? It sounds cool, but then you're stuck in a meeting for 30 minutes, but it's so much, you know, it's a lot of fun. And I love being able just to talk about it because it's like a lot of people were like, wow, that's, that's really great. And I think that's, that's one thing too, that I just love talking about it too, is, is it's great. George, you also have family working in the industry as well, don't you? Yeah, I have. So my dad works uh, for Salesforce um, IT, right? And uh, I have some extended family that are in IT as well. And so they, you know, I do definitely get that sort of aspect of, you know, my uncles and aunts, sometimes they know what I'm talking about, but some people, you know, my grandparents, stuff like that, right? They, there's not a clue, but this program has allowed me to kind of spread cybersecurity too. I mean, like, Mm-hmm. You know, my I don't think my grandparents really knew much about cybersecurity, but being able to uh, talk to them about, hey, like, you know, this email that you're getting is this is a phishing. This is what that means. Right. That was that was cool for me too, yeah. being able to teach the older ones in my life. Here, Grandma, this is how your Facebook's going to get hacked. Yeah. <laughs> Come yeah. on, Grandma. <laughs> Josh, I would say I've always been, very, which I am prideful on my TSI. I have tech support interns and they fix yeah. Chromebook screens and blah, blah, blah. Um, but cybersecurity and throwing in that realness of, well, of it into a school system is amazing it it uh it hit home it hits home for us right now because we are looking we've we've modeled a student-led help desk after what chris did um and ours has been really successful and and we're really wanting to give those kids a little bit extra something in the near future and, and we're looking at offering um oh a plus certification through test out for those for whoever wants to do it like we we currently have like 25 kids in that program. Um, we don't think all 25 will do it, but if we get three or five kids that do it and we're able to give that class um, as a credit, then instead of a pass fail class, and it qualifies for some higher um, state reporting scores because of the college and career readiness, it's an IRC industry recognized certification. Um, that's that's something that we're looking into. So this this is this is fantastic that you're doing this. Um, I'll, I'll say, George, that uh, one of the things that will get you hired more often than not, you know, it's one thing to have certifications behind your name and, you know, you can prove that you know what you're doing with technology. But having those soft skills and, able, and being able to have a conversation with someone and take the content that you're trying to get across to that person and, and be able to uh, refine your delivery so that anybody in the room can understand it at multiple levels that that skill in itself will get you hired more times than it will. Um, that is very, very rare in the IT field. I, I think the guys and, you know, Chris and, and Eric, um, they all have that, those two guys, I, I consider myself to have the, that skill as well. Um, 
it's it's one of the reasons we're in the positions that we're in. Um, so if, if you refine that skill and you keep using that, it will take you far, just that skill alone. Uh, but by all means, keep going for those certifications. Yeah. I, and I wanted to kind of highlight some of the certifications. George, you said you got the CEH? Yeah, CEH. Well, no, not the CEH, the... Uh, test out. Test yeah. out the... Okay. Yeah. okay. Pro. yeah. Yep. And then... Yeah. And then, like I said, Security Plus, um, a couple of kids in my class have, have gotten that. And then uh, I'm I've taken that once. I'm taking it again this week. And then we've had kids get A+. Plus, um, mm -hmm. I know, okay, last year. And we got Azure. Azure. And then there's a kid in my class taking AWS before summer begins. So just, you know, there's a lot of different certifications yeah. out there, too. And we don't require our kids to get them. We definitely highly encourage them. Um and then we support them if that's a decision that they want to make. And so that Cyber 3 course really allows for that because it's a capstone. So if a student says, you know what, I'm just not interested in Security Plus, but I really want to do Azure or whatever, then we help provide the resources for them to get that uh, on top of Explore, other topics that are part of the curriculum and, and whatever else. Has the district been pretty willing to, to pay for some of those certifications? Because I know we, I mean, no, not because the district's not willing, it's the district by our choice refuses because that's what our industry partners are for. Oh. So um, from a industry partner perspective, that's a pretty easy ask uh, to right. say, Hey, you know, there's going to be an 18 year old that's about to go out into the world and have a security plus and, or Azure or ethical hacker pro or whatever else, um, you know, 200 bucks here and 300 bucks there is, I think um, something they're more than happy to sign off on. It's very tangible for them. And from yeah. a give back perspective, it's, you know, yep. it, it, that's been an easy one for us. That's perfect. And the fact that they are then taking these, our students as either interns or co-ops or yeah. employees, that's, that's cheap. Right. Well, I think what's great about it, you, you've set up a model that fits the cybersecurity realm, but it also fits in the IT realm too, um, for, especially for smaller school districts. Everybody's got IT, even if they don't have a cybersecurity focus. But just the fact that you're reaching out uh, to the community at large and finding those sponsorships and the support is really amazing because that's what we're all about is, is integrating with our communities and being uh, good stewards of the, of, of the resources we have. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. And I'll just go back to the, I didn't finish, completely finish your, your question about our other partners. So started with Standex because I know that's who George um, interns with, but also U.S. Bank, Fifth Third, Kroger, GE Aviation, um, ATC Technologies, which is a local company. who has been incredibly supportive. I'm trying to think if there's anybody I'm missing. But those are the big ones um, in Belcan. Yeah. Uh, all those companies provide internships, uh, mentors, or some sort of financial support or a combination of all three. Mm -hmm. And I think during your session, you guys were just kind of telling some stories of your internships. And I was really captivated by those, just the things that you're getting to do. Um, and it's often a challenge in our tech departments to bring in student interns because we have confidential data or whatever. It seems like it kind of throws up a barrier to being able to give admin access. Yeah. But I was impressed that you guys were even digging into like email uh, compromise and those types of things within an institution like that. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I'll paraphrase and help me out here, but I know Colin was talking about um, for the internship that he works at, you know, had, they had some sort of big incident and they pulled him into the war room, you know, <laughs> he's a part of, part of trying to figure it out. And we've had students who, 
I remember one of our students was doing where like when employees left, he mm -hmm. was doing all of the making sure that they weren't taking sensitive information with them, which I was like, wow, that's pretty cool for 18 year old yeah. <laughs> given that level of responsibility, but Hey, that's your choice. Um, yeah. yeah. So in, I know George, you tell, I always like your story about like being in the car trying to do yeah. <laughs> tell yeah. So, yeah. So um, I was going on vacation last summer and uh, I, like I said, my dad works for Salesforce. So he's on a lot of calls and we were in a car to uh, South Carolina Hilton head. Um, and I had to get a, a meeting because we, the company was starting to do MDM with mobile device management and, and enrolling that. And I had to be on that call and we're in the car and I had my computer on my headphones in talking. And then my dad was, had a meeting too while he was driving and it's the tension in the car was just too much because, you know, you got one company, you got the other company and then, you know, MDM and cloud. It's just, my mom was looking back at me and it was like, Oh gosh, it's just not good. But it, it's stories like that. Right. It's, it's just fun to tell because it's like, you know, as an 18 year old, not many people have heard that. And it's, it's, I'm really grateful for that. Right. Of, of being able to do that is just tell you stories and you know, yeah. all that. It's real. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so this was a presentation, right? That Eric hung out with you guys at Cosin. Is that, could you send us that, that we can put that in the podcast description maybe? Yeah, the presentation doesn't, the actual like slide deck doesn't have a ton of information because the goal was really to have George and, and Colin talk as much as possible. Um, yep. But there might be a recording of it. So let me see if I can find a recording of it and see if That'd I can get that to you. And I guess we, we can wrap this up by saying if you're listening to this and then if, if you're wanting more information, I'm sure you can email us and, and we'll try to get you a hold of these guys to, to talk about that more. Yeah, we're happy to help. Oh, yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, thanks for hanging out with us, guys. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for your time. All right. So we've been talking about Absolute on the podcast for <laughs> several weeks now. Um I think we know that you do IT management, cybersecurity, compliance. You help out with the school's one-to-one -one program. Uh, but Bobby, Warren, Oliver, uh, do you guys want to explain Absolute to us? I, I've been doing my best to talk about Absolute, but I'm sure I'm not doing uh, a good job. So if, if I'm a school district tech department, uh, would you just tell me a little bit about Absolute, what you guys, what, what do you guys do? Sure, Chris. Thanks. And uh, um, appreciate you having us on, on here today. You know, I, I think before we jump into kind of what we do, you know, one of the things that we've seen in, you know, a lot of change in, in how IT management school districts works because of what's happened in a kind of post-COVID world. And well, I think we all saw and need to congratulate all the districts out there that actually got technology in the hands of students we all saw, you know, laptops being handed into cars as they drove by to give to students so they can go home and learn and um, really was an amazing job. You, you looked at kind of what corporate America had to go through to do a similar thing, but most people had technology in their hands already. So getting technology in the hands of students was really a, a, a monumental lift. And, and I think that needs to be recognized because uh, uh, somehow a lot of these districts weren't even ready to go one to one at all. And suddenly they were thrown into this. Here you go. You have to get the technology in the hands of all the students. And I think a lot of the, what happened and the problems that we're seeing now stem from that uh, because, you know, a lot of folks didn't even write, you know, that they had the technology uh, uh, in a spreadsheet was really all they were, even, even that. So a lot of what we're trying to do today is to try and solve some of the problems that came from that. A lot of it is really where is the, the technology that I handed out to these students? Um, isn't it in a, in a point in time where, where it's, it's manageable uh, is there an inventory that we can control from that? And the biggest problem that we've seen now and is is just the loss of those devices, not necessarily 
kind of your classic theft around someone broke into a car or someone you know broke into a school and took a, a cart of uh, of Chromebooks or what have you, but just loss of inventory. You know, these devices are out in the wild. They didn't look at them for for or, or collect them for for a couple of year period of time. And now here we are. Hey, we want to get our technology back into the in the hands of the district for summer so we can refresh these machines. And lo and behold, you know, we can't find numbers as high as we've heard as, as 20%. So those of us that have known Absolute over the years, even back to our days of, 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 of CompuTrace, um, which was our nomenclature for, for a long, long time, that's all we really did was track and recover lost and stolen devices. And we found that that use case is, has really been uh, what we've we've been uh, used for in the K-12 community more than anything else. Where's my, where, really it's the, where's my stuff? Right, and we do a really good job of helping you understand, you know, where your equipment is, uh, what's on the equipment, uh, how it's being used, um, and ultimately at the end of the school year or even during the school year, let's make sure it gets back in the district so we can we can make sure that kids can keep learning. Bobby, anything you want to add there? Yeah, I think what's what's maybe a little unique about how that works for Absolute is we're actually in, embedded in the bio, so we're in the we're at the firmware level of every you know, major device that's out there. And so we kind of have that unique, you know, unbreakable tether to that device. So in the situation where maybe a device is stolen or a device becomes compromised or someone tries to maybe switch out a hard drive to use that device for other reasons, you know, that agent, you know, reactivates itself, comes back online and we can still see, maintain, manage, track, trace and, and take action on that on that device. It's funny you guys mentioned CompuTrace. I didn't realize that was who you were years yeah. ago. We at, yeah. at a hospital that I used to work for, um, we used CompuTrace on on laptops that we had. It, it, it's funny how some of this stuff. It, it's actually a pretty small world when it comes down to it. Uh, we we uh, called it LoJack for laptops uh, yes. when we were rolling it exactly out to help right. people yeah. understand what it what it does. Um, so. You kind of talked about the uh, auditing part of that from a from a tech deployment or tech department deployment perspective. How does how does that work? And take us from from footprint to footprint. You know, laptop versus Chromebook versus whatever else hardware wise. Um, what's the management console look like? Give give us an idea of what that's like. Sure. And and Bobby did mention the, the BIOS integration that we have on the PC side. Things work a little differently on Chrome, of course. And we, we support anything outside of iOS. Um, so your, your Apple devices, uh, your Mac devices, your, your Chrome and PC devices. Um, implementation of the, of the software is actually very easy. And, and uh, if I'll start with the PC side of things. It can even be implemented at, at the factory of your PC OEM. So whatever device that you're practically buying, because we're already in the BIOS of that device in a dormant state, it just takes a software load to activate that agent and install the agent onto the hard drive of the machine. And once that's installed, then that BIOS agent always looks after that that software agent. So you can't remove the agent once it's been um, once it's been uh, activated. Um, so if it's not a factory load that you've done at that point, if you have an existing fleet of machines, it's just a simple MSI. You have to push out to your devices and, and activate that BIOS agent. Off you go. Um, for Chrome, it's just an extension of the of the Google Management Console, um, and does a lot of, as we mentioned, a lot lot more deeper, a uh, uh, lot deeper uh, data is pulled from the Google Man Management Console, along with, you know, as we mentioned, some of the 
you know, geolocation and, and device freeze and some of the things that are on from there. And any of the Apple devices are, are very similar. So the implementation is, is extremely simple. Um, this is a cloud-based solution. So all you need to do once it's been loaded is, is just access our customer center console. And once you're into the console, you can see all of your devices, where they're calling in from. And that call-in feature is really an important component to that because once the agent is, is loaded on the device, all it does is uh, multiple times a day, just connect back to the server and give data about the device. And once we have that connection from the machine, then we have a, a, a lot of different features and, and, and really solutions that we can provide from that from Hey, let's recover the device if it's lost or stolen. Let's freeze the machine. Let's audit the device. Let's track and recover. Let's geolocate. Let's um, push out scripts to really do anything at that point. So once we have connection from that machine, from that uh, unbreakable tether, certainly from the bio side of things, um, you're good to go. All you need at that point is just access to the console and, and the ability to provide action to that device. You're muted, Josh. What a what a noob! <laughs> yeah, I think I've never done this before. Yeah, let's make sure uh, that makes the final edit there. Yeah. <laughs> so, give give us some examples of schools that kind of like a use case or uh, you know a, a quick uh, white paper type on a on a district that has used Absolute to either recover equipment or get a better picture of of where those assets are living. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, as Warren's mentioned, I mean, that's in, in, in the K-12 space. I mean, the, the, the primary use case is that device recovery, right? There, there's a lot of other things we do, which we'll, we'll mention here shortly. But um, I mean, countless school districts have reported device loss in the 20, 25, 30 percent of these devices. They're just not getting back. Not necessarily that they were stolen. Right. But just they're, they're just not getting them back. Um, and I mean, numbers of school districts who've, who've deployed this have gotten that device recovery or that device loss down into the low single digits, right? So, you know, when you're going back to the school board and you're trying to beg for budget for, you know, next year's, you know, hardware refresh, um, you know, being able to, uh, you know, stand firm and say, hey, we were able to get the large majority of our deployed devices back. We do need, you know, a little extra budget to, uh, to to refresh a certain certain subset of our hardware versus going to the board and saying, "Man, we had a we had a challenge recovering a large number of our devices, and we're going to need to ask for you know more budget or go tap into more federal funds uh, in order to support our student needs." Mm -hmm. I think secondarily, you know, a, a big part of of what we're seeing use, and maybe they, you've, someone's purchased us because they've got a large kind of loss problem, but because we touch these devices every day, or the devices really call home and touch us every day, um, and for us to be able to, to go and find a device, we need to know where it is all the time. And there's there's a lot of use to that to be able to say, hey, I just need an inventory of all my machines. Um, and we find that, you know, smaller districts probably have a little bit of an easier time trying to, to accomplish that task. But when you get into these large urban districts with tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of devices, that task gets harder and harder. So just to be able to say, here's where I have my technology. Here's what just schools that are in. Here's how many are going home. Here's how many are, are not going home. Uh, and here's really the health of these devices. Um, is really a secondary, uh, probably the biggest secondary, and probably what you'd use us more for ultimately 
because uh, as Bobby said, our, our goal is always to drive that kind of loss rate down to, you know, single digits, you know, then what do you use this for? And really, it's just maintaining the day to day of those of those devices. Um, and we can even start to take our technology and, and either have other inventory solutions like a Hayes Tip Web, for example, uh, ported into our solution or ours into theirs. Um, so there's a lot of other things that we can do around just the inventory of those devices um, and then really just maintaining control of them um, uh, and the data that's on them. Maybe student devices don't have the, the data that's as important, but maybe it's your admin or teacher machines that have uh, you know, uh, FERPA regulated data, what have you, and you want to be able to freeze that machine or delete that data or remove that data should something happen with the machine. So really those are, I think, would be the three main components is the loss of the device, the inventory of the device, and making sure that the the data that's that's housed on there uh, is, is, um, uh, is not compromised. And, you know, uh, Josh, you, you mentioned, you know, use cases. There's, um, we've had a, we've had a number of districts here recently that um, are leveraging our technology for those those very things that Warren just 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 detailed. Um, but we've actually had some some districts have some um, success with identifying and finding lost students. Hmm. Right? Um, certainly not something that the technology was designed for, nor are we necessarily touting that. But you know, if you think about a student gets reported as being lost or missing. Um, you know, the IT team is notified, they, you know, activate and accurately search out where that student's device may be. Most of the time students are carrying their phone and their device with them, right? Their, their, their yeah. Chromebook maybe. Um, and, you know, I've had three school districts here over this past year that have reported back to us that, hey, they they were notified of a missing student. And thankfully, all three situations, the student was found. Uh, in one situation, they went to their grandparents' home after school as opposed to their parents' home, and no one knew that that's where they were supposed to be. One student got on the wrong bus. Um, <clears throat> one student was a troubled student and, and was missing for some time, but they were able to track that student down and, and get that student taken care of. So kind of a unique application, leveraging, identifying that, that technology to ultimately maybe find that, that missing student or troubled student. If I could add, you know, one more thing, and I think one of the, the, the things that most districts are worried about right now is, is some sort of a ransomware situation and having yeah. and having a device that gets back into the district with with something on it. Um, and, you know, at the top, Bobby mentioned our, our, our BIOS persistence, and, and we've always persisted ourselves to make sure that that if something happens to our agent, we reinstall our agent. We're now using that agent to reinstall and to, to harden other agents that are out there. So that could be something as simple as your VPN or your SCCM or your, uh, you know, name that particular product. But a lot of it comes down to if you're starting to use an EDR solution or you're having other solutions that are out there to help you with your cybersecurity, we can be that last line of defense to make sure that whatever you're deploying to those devices, and this is more on the PC side than the Chrome side, but whatever you're deploying on those devices, we can make sure are always on. Um, and we find that there's when there's human interaction with an agent, um, often that agent can be, can be corrupted or removed. We hear a lot about SCCM having corrupted agents, for example, and we can rebuild or reinstall or really do whatever is, is necessary to make sure that, that particular agent or any other agent really is on there. We've got a We've got a library of, I think it's 60 some odd agents that we we persist today and, and make resilient. Um, and uh, that really helps to make sure um, that things like 
uh, a potential breach or or ransomware can be um, uh, your tools that are there to make sure that those things don't occur are always on and running. Um, and we know all that's that's one of the worst case scenarios that you run into the situation where um, students can't learn because you're in this, this kind of ransomware situation. And we want to try and help protect from that as well. Great. So, so if somebody listening wanted to get a hold of one of you guys to find out more, get pricing, get a demo, who, who would they contact? Well, the easiest way is to reach out to sales at absolute.com. Um, and uh, obviously you can reach out to myself, Warren and, and, and Oliver and Chris. I don't know if there's a way for us to share our contact information, but we can certainly. Yes. Yeah, so for sure, I've been putting Oliver's in the podcast description right. and Josh continues to disrespect Oliver because of his username, <laughs> O. Schmidt. And Oliver, on behalf of the K-12 Tech Talk podcast, I'm sorry about Josh. It's all good. You should try pronouncing my middle name if you think my... My uh, my name right now is interesting. So <laughs> now, I'll do, leave, do you, did, I'll did, leave did, that alone. Do yeah. you have parents like did did you have parents that went out of, out of their way to come up with an O name so that they could say O Schmidt? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Or was uh, that was that just I'm, coincidence? I think it was coincidence, but my initials <laughs> are O B S. Because my middle name name starts with a B. We're sorry. We're sorry about that. So they really just double down on that one. So (laughs) Oliver, you got to quit while you're ahead, bud. I know. know. Digging a hole, buddy. Yep. (laughs) We're just gonna double down. So So we'll put we'll put an email into the podcast description for sure. Sure. And to make things really easy, the other place that you can go if you're ever interested in, in absolute, we don't sell anything directly. But talk to whoever you buy your your Chromebooks or your PCs from. Okay. They all know about Absolute. Um, they will be the place where you probably buy them from. And one of the beautiful parts of, of what we can do is we can just incorporate right into your laptop or Chromebook Chromebook buy. So we just become a line item, right? So you know you add you add the uh, in and out there. And there's pricing dif- differs between a PC because we do a lot more than in a Chromebook. And obviously Chromebooks these days can be you know, as low as $100 and $150. And we want to make sure it's priced appropriately there. But, um, you know, that's another avenue that you can always look at. And they'll get in touch with us from there. But Oliver is your best uh, uh, point of entry. But really, anywhere you buy a, a device from, we can we can certainly um, uh, start there as well. Great. Is there anything else for the good of the cause that we're missing? Uh, you guys have listened to the episodes that we already talked to you or talked about you. Um, is there anything else that you want to make sure that listeners know about Absolute? Well, I think the other thing with it, reaching out, if there's some interest, I mean, we are we are on standby. We're more than happy to provide, you know, demos and show you the, the you know, the console and how the technology uh, works. I think most customers that that first response they get when they see our, you know, our console on our demo and they they understand all the, you know, technologies that are available one of their most common responses is i had no idea that some of this stuff was even possible right so um, we'd love to take you through a demo and 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 get your feedback as well plenty of sales and engineer folks uh, um, on standby ready ready to roll awesome well oliver bobby warren thank you guys so much for hanging out with us chris josh thank you really appreciate your time today yeah thanks chris josh we appreciate it all the best thank you for having us thanks guys thank you